0: Hey everyone, this is Chris. I just wanted to give you a quick word about this week's episode of Writers Get Animated. We've had a little bit of a change behind the scenes and how we do things. And there's been a little bit of a learning curve. So my audio might be a little bit off in terms of audio quality. We've got it figured out. It's fixed on our next episode, but this week's episode, it's not as good as normal. So thank you enjoy this week's episode we need to start recording someone get recordo today we're talking about disenchantment on netflix stay tuned
1: Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and how many, I don't know, uh, sciences there are in the world. There's a lot. Um, I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today, as Chris said, we're talking about Disenchantment, the new show from Matt Groening and company um, on Netflix. Um as a preface, uh, this is a Matt Groening show, so it's adult-oriented animation. While nothing is too crazy, and our podcast is family-friendly, some of the content of the show itself may not be as a kid-friendly, but like just a little less kid-friendly than The Simpsons is. To help orient you, right? Yeah, not yeah. too shabby. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I on... show it to like a ten-year-old. Yeah, uh, really? I have low standards for ten-year-olds. <laughs>
0: I, I was going to say, really, uh, with it, 12-year-olds.
1: That's, that's what that's I true. would say. That 10 to 12, that benchmark. I know a lot it's of things al- happen in two years. It does. Hunger Games. <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, so Disenchantment on the Netflix. And because it's on the Netflix, I feel like they have a little bit more leeway to do more of what they want to do. Would you
1: agree with that statement? I I do agree with that. They do have leeway to do what they want to do. I think we'll talk about that later of what if if what they want to do is what they should do.
0: <laughs> that that's that makes sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. perfect sense.
1: Not criticizing it. It's a it's like a kill your darlings kind of thing. You take that many brilliant people, you're gonna get lots of ideas, and you have to like in my opinion, because I like short things, let some ideas go. Like, rarely do I read a novel that's more than 300 pages, because I'm like, I don't want to invest the time in it. Does it need to be more than 300 pages as a novel? Probably not. Maybe not.
0: But here's, yeah. here's the thing, um, and I think they found this out, just taking a small side path to talk about how Netflix changes things such as humor and writing so they took arrested development season four right and they did it on netflix and they had to film it their own special way and they did it in different ways in terms of um, they did it out of order and each episode concentrated on a character and they were able to have longer episodes and fans were a little bit confused by it it didn't feel right and they were saying like the pacing wasn't there there weren't as many jokes And they thought that it just didn't work. For me, I saw that what Netflix was doing was having one long episode that lasted an entire season for right or wrong. (laughs) That's what they had is here's an episode of Arrested Development that is, you know, eight hours long, essentially. (laughs) But what they did is, as an experiment, they recut it into 22 episodes and... Sliced it the way they would have had to have sliced it when it was on network TV. When it was on network TV, they had to cut it down, but they made the idea, they said, we don't want to cut out any jokes. So they left all the jokes in, but sliced it, which meant that you were getting 15 to 20 jokes per minute (laughs) because everything was just so fast and happening so
1: quickly. Yeah, and this is not a podcast about, like, what version of Arrested Development Season 4 is better, but Netflix is, if anything, experimental. And Disenchantment follows that vein of being experimental. What happens when you take an animated comedy and make it half an hour instead of 22 minutes?
0: What does happen is part of what we'll get into. But for those who have not watched Disenchantment, um, can we say a little bit more about what it is and what's going on.
1: Absolutely, it's been marketed in many ways. Uh, the main thing to know is that it's a Matt Groening show. Um, so this 2018 new show comes to you from a lot of different writers. Um, here's a list of a few that easy Wikipedia links I could look up. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Groening, of course, Simpsons Futurama, uh, David X. Cohen, which fun fact literally the X stands for nothing. Um, Futurama and Simpsons Um, Bill Oakley of Simpsons and a Mission Hill co-creator and uh, worked on Portlandia notably on the Simpsons he's responsible for the steamed hams scene which everyone is all about right now Um, you also have Josh Weinstein uh, Simpsons, Mission Hill co-creator Futurama, some Gravity Falls writing, Eric Horstead from Futurama Patrick Verone from The Critic and The Simpsons um so lots of people that we're familiar with. Sorry, lots of men that we're familiar with. I mean I didn't that's not a full list of writers. I can't honestly say off the top of my head. I'm for my partially pulled list of Wikipedia linked writers, yes it's a lot of men. <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head what the the full breakdown of the writers' room was. Got it. I just And I won't make any assumptions.
0: I won't make assumptions either, but I'm just saying Hmm. I'm going to call it
1: Wikipedia bias.
0: It could be a Wikipedia
1: bias, absolutely. <laughs> it could be another bias. Yes. Entirely. But I feel like in a situation where I don't know, I'm going to assume the lowest kind of bias. Is that like walking the line between hashtag me too and like assuming positive intent? I don't know. Is that <laughs> the right path? I don't know. Oh my god. It's probably not the right path. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, the show, uh, 10 episodes now streaming on Netflix, um, where Simpsons is in the present air quotes and Futurama is in the future air quotes, disenchantment has been marketed as being in the past question mark, uh, but like a medieval fantasy past, uh, Matt Groening himself described it as the natural offspring of the Simpsons and game of Thrones, which
0: makes perfect sense. It does feel a lot like that. Um. The main character that we follow, Princess Bean um, of Dreamland, feels a lot like Matt Graining, um, his version of Daenerys Targaryen, white hair and all. White hair and everything. It's it that it's you take Daenerys and you put her into the Matt Graining machine, the Grainer, and. <laughs> spits out Princess
1: Bean. And that's what you I get. to go with, like, the grain silo, if we're going with like, a farm theme. Uh, or... You heard it here, that Mac rating. Dang it. You heard it here first. The grain silo. <laughs> After listening to us talk about uh, the positive and negative things about the writer's room on the show, <laughs> I hope you're taking away the grain silo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I... I, I hope we're still friends. I hope we're still as close as we have ever been with Magna. <laughs>
1: um, one thing that I like, question mark, about this show and its structure, um, I think part of the experimental Netflix thing that is going on is that while Simpsons is like completely detached from episode to episode and Futurama sort of, kind of, has a narrative that it follows, like big arcs. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to necessarily watch each episode in order. Um, Disenchantment really is, for the most part, like, you must watch it in this order. And I think part of that comes from the
0: Netflix idea of, you are going to watch this all on a Friday night.
1: Yeah. So,
0: (laughs) I think it comes from the idea of
1: binging. That, are you still watching, is not a judgmental... Um, recommendation to stop watching it's just making sure you don't miss any key information
0: exactly are you still watching we paused it for you it's like Launchpad in you know the episode the last crash of the star um oh my gosh the sun chaser the sun chaser the last crash of the sun chaser he's like dewey do you want me to pause it so you don't miss anything but yep. it's like that it's basically that I assume that Launchpad is in charge of Netflix. And
1: uh-huh.
0: Are you still watching? I could pause it for you. <laughs> it's been three hours. Ugh. Anyway, but uh, I think that's the one thing that was striking was to see. I don't know. Every time I see somebody say chapter one and put a title there, my brain doesn't go to books. It goes to, oh, we're doing a Tarantino thing. <laughs> i forgot that books did that first you know chapters and chapter titles I, my brain's like oh because it's on film mm, question mark uh <laughs> because it's on my screen i, I go to tarantino-esque
1: at, oh we're going in chapters i mean it's it's a story like a movie a movie's a short story not a novel That's what they are. Like, the best book adaptations, and I'm obviously generalizing a lot here, the best book adaptations in film tend to be short stories because you're not, like, cutting out a lot and missing a ton and conflating things and missing the meaning of the story. Um, Or, like, again, no judgment, but, like, large print, short-length YA novels become great movies because there's not a lot that you can miss there. The early Harry Potter movies. Great. Here's a good adaptation. The later Harry Potter movies. Now we're missing like three quarters of the book. That's very true. hmm And so TV, um, when you're telling a full ongoing story, it's like a novel. I mean, we've talked about how BoJack Horseman, I Stand By, is a great American novel. Each episode is a chapter. You're breaking down your story into single digestible sittings. So you're going to read just that get a plot and character and understanding and then want more, but you could stop and take a pause before watching the next one. You're not going to cause it's Netflix, but you could, that option <laughs> is there.
0: And I, I think it took, um, one thing that it does do at least in the first two episodes. Well, more the first episode. I feel like the first two episodes feel like a single episode really. Yeah. Um, But there is a definite type A cliffhanger, which is we're just going to stop the story and you're going to have to deal with it. We're not going to complete anything and move on. We're just going to slice it off. So that way you feel good about continuing on.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree. It's a very Netflix thing. Netflix lends itself. If it's created for Netflix, you're going to end up with a lot more cliffhangers per episode and incidentally it quite literally becomes a cliffhanger at the end of the first episode (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) well the i mean the first episode is like a double length not it's like a one and a half length it's like almost 40 minutes long right and the second episode is more the standard of the show which is like 28 minutes long right so together you have just over an hour of content and at the end of the second episode it's kind of like the end of the first episode of futurama like uh, it's like if you did the first episode of Futurama but tossed in, like, meeting all the side characters in the middle of it, too. <laughs> that they do in episode two. Right. I mean, because we're both so familiar with Futurama from watching it so many times again and again. Like, I can reference these things and you know immediately what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the dynamic story structure. Um, but, yeah. Um, at the end of the second episode, you definitely feel like, here's the premise. Here are our main characters. We met some side characters. And the plot is... Bean doesn't have to get married right away because she's figuring out her life, and her dad's gonna sort of, kind of let her figure it out, but also like be that eagle eye watchful person.
0: Yes. So, to talk through the plot a little bit, let's talk through. We, we've talked about our Princess Bean being the main character, which I think it follows. If you're looking at Matt Groening stuff, you have you know the the comics. Matt Groening stuff, you have Simpsons, you have Futurama, and I think it follows a little bit, hems a little closer towards the Futurama structure of things, um, in terms of tone and character. And just like Futurama, we end up with a trio. So the family unit that is created is a trio. We have, uh, essentially it's Leela Fry and Bender, but the fantasy versions of them. So you have Princess Bean, who's Leela. You have Elfo, who is Fry, who sort of wants a relationship, it seems, question mark, with Princess Bean, and then Lucy the demon, who's basically Bender in
1: black. Um, (laughs) But
0: smokes smokes and drinks.
1: Like a lazy Bender too. Like my favorite recurring thing is they all think that he's some kind of talking cat. And he's like offended at first, and he's like, "I'm gonna go take a nap in the sunbeam." <laughs> exactly.
0: It's like, wait, he is acting like a cat. It's like <laughs> he, he doesn't care enough. So yeah. um, but that's those are the three characters that you're following. So Princess Bean, princess who doesn't want to get married, elfo an elf who doesn't want to be happy all the time. Um, and Lucy. A demon who has been sent by, as far as I know, two random people in a magical hell. Like, basically characters who were cut from Doctor Strange um, and the Clone Wars. So, they look like Sith, but wizards, but
1: have glasses, but I can't tell yet. So side note, if you're a normal person and binged most or some of the show, you know more about this than Chris does at the time of recording this podcast. Hey, listen,
0: listen, it's not that I didn't want to binge more. It's that I had things to do, um, mostly sleep. I I aspire to have things to do. I, I understand, but I started binging it a little bit late and so if it makes it better, I watched the first two episodes twice, and not go. because I fell asleep, but because I wanted to watch them again.
1: That's like you've seen six episodes, but only two. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I have basically <laughs> binged everything. Yeah. Not at one night, but... Yeah.
1: So, from your perspective, because I'm interested in this, because I feel like, whereas in Futurama, like, episode two, it's like... Professor Farnsworth takes our main trio around. It's like here are the side characters: use Hermes and Amy and Doctor Zoidberg. Moving on, <laughs> you're like great. Here are the side characters we're gonna have to show fuller cast. I think there are pretty. Uh, it's a little muddy, but there are some clear like primary side characters to the cast. At your impression, two episodes in, who are the primary side characters besides our main three?
0: Besides the main three, we have the father, the king which I cannot remember his name. I think it's mentioned once. Um, King Zog. Yes. Uh, Voiced by John DiMaggio. And we have his wife, who's Bean's stepmother. Who I I just love her character because it's a different sight gag with her every single time. And it just cracks me up. Because uh, she's some sort of vampire um, underwater sea creature. Um, who's basically if Zoidberg were a beautiful woman, like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my take on it. It's like basically a female Zoidberg, um, where sh- we just need her body to do this to be funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I can imagine her, this sounds so wrong. I can imagine her body being a source of great comedy to come. <laughs> Oh,
1: don't like that
0: sentence. Move on. Don't linger. <laughs> uh, I do. I also see the prince from the other kingdom. Um, it begins with an M. Mertz? Not Mertz. Is it Mertz? Oh, yeah. Oh, M- no,
1: no. Mertz, Mertz is the, the knight. Mer- Merminer.
0: Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can never. I,
0: he's voiced by that one actor from the IT crowd that I love just because he has this crazy way of saying everything. So,
1: yep. You know, I, immediately who it is.
0: I was like, Oh, it's him. Thank goodness. <laughs> a, he's a, i I'm a Netflix staple. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. Just like everything that he says is a throwaway joke. And I appreciate that about characters. So it's like a Zapp Brannigan character. Not just because of he's a love interest, but also because of attitude and self-love, but he's a Zap Brannigan-ish character who doesn't try hard.
1: Yeah. Anyone else that you would consider a side character at this point? Let's see at this point.: A primary will, side character. Primary side
0: character. So those three, um, Anyone else who has been introduced yet? I thought the elves would have more to do, but I don't see them coming back. There's the two people down in the fiery dungeon that I'm are probably going to play a larger part, but I don't feel like they're going to be side characters interacting with the main group. And if they are, it's not till the final episode, probably. Um, as far as anyone else, I can't see anyone else except maybe the king and queen from the other kingdom. But I don't... I feel like no one else was really set up to take a larger role.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I definitely feel like... There's like a fourth or fifth episode when like I think our primary side characters everyone who I think is a main character except for the main three characters are in a group doing something and summoning like the, the character of the week. Mm. and to me I'm like this is a group of side characters it's all of them plus maybe like Bunty the maid so it's interesting because I do feel like yeah there are some people get more to do like there's the gag characters like Shako the elf and Mm. the uh the court crier (laughs) prepare for the king you take it from here why you I oughta how dare (laughs) um but i from my opinion watching the whole season i think the main side characters are zog who's kind of like the farnsworth of the show like he's yeah. in every episode he's a main part of the plot he's like the honorary main character mm-hmm. um una and then to a lesser degree Derek, who's the prince they take like entire season like Oh, there's an empty chair. A few episodes later, let's have a prince. Uh, he doesn't talk and doesn't have a name. Then a few episodes later, like, he has a name now. And then finally it's like, uh, he should have a voice actor. Okay, here we are. <laughs> um, so Zog and Una. And then Sorcerario is my personal favorite. Oh, yes. He comes in in the second episode. Yeah. And Oddvol, who's like the... Tall, purple dressed prime minister slash priest person. I haven't met him yet. I'm not sure if he's in the first two. Yeah, I don't think I've met him yet. Um Bunty I mentioned, and then like the head knight with the eye patch. Mm. Yes. He kind of becomes like the more Zap Brandagini, like not really love interest, but like interested in love person.
0: Not love interest, but interested in love person.
1: Yeah, like the entire time Bean is like, no, never going to happen. Okay. But he starts getting a little flirty with her. Um, so in my opinion, like those those people are like the main side cast. And there is one character who comes in at the very end, who as soon as that person was in, is like, oh, this should have been the show. Like I would have loved if this were like the end of the first episode. And like the season continued from here. Mm. so what I'm saying is there's a satisfying build of narrative through the first season that pays off but I kind of wish that it kind of like accordioned down so you had like an hour and a half two hour premiere that ended with that character getting introduced hmm interesting yeah as soon as that character was in I was like this is a different dynamic I really like this uh I really like how this person plays off these other characters it was so interesting and hopefully with their
0: second part because they've threatened with by calling this part one
1: yeah I can't imagine there's not a part two even I'm, if everyone watched this because it was Matt Groening and then decided they didn't like it enough to watch a second part that's still a lot of people watched it because it's Matt Groening the first time <laughs> it's like making a sequel to what's a good example mm, don't tell my husband pa- making a sequel to Pacific Rim Uh, (laughs) enough people went to go see because it was a cool concept they made a second movie which was arguably honestly better but like not as many people saw it because they didn't like the first movie they saw it they paid for the first movie but not enough people wanted to see a second movie (laughs) does that make sense? it makes perfect sense having not
0: seen either of them it makes perfect sense to me I, I understand your analogy okay yeah so we've talked about the structure in chapters building to something larger, um, the longer, and you said a little bit earlier about killing your darlings and things that they're trying. Could you say a little bit more about that now, as you, you love you think of that idea of according it down, but is there too much?
1: i mean like i said this may be a personal bias i like shorter things i like things that are like so tight and perfectly put together that it's like almost boring you're left wanting more and i kind of feel like if you watch the first nine episodes of this part and stopped you're kind of left like that was fine i don't need more i liked it i don't want more and each episode is 28 minutes instead of 22 so you're kind of left like that was everything that could have been said in this topic instead of like, man, I wish they'd spent like one more minute in this scene.
0: Mm.
1: So maybe that's my personal bias. Uh, you sent me an article where Matt Grating was being interviewed and talked about the format of the show. And I thought my first instinct was like Arrested Development Season 4. They just kind of like kept everything mm-hmm. and made an episode out of it. Uh, but for animation, that's a very... Uh, expensive thing to do yes. and based on the Matt Groening interview it's intentional that they did it and they do all for the most part come down to that 28 minute mark so they they set a different limit for themselves but Matt Groening talks about how it's intentionally longer to be more cinematic and include more cinematic things and include jokes that don't necessarily move the plot forward cool you intentionally did it I see what you're going for it's clear that happened And I don't agree with it. (laughs) (laughs) I, this
0: is something about writing that I always struggle with. It's do we have boundaries and do boundaries make things better? You know, do constraints of, you know, I have to write this and it has to be 45 minutes because of kids and whatever you know will this be is it is that a bad thing and i wish that i didn't have this constraint or is that constraint something that allows you to be a little bit more creative Mm -hmm. and i would say watching the first episode um my wife said at one point she said is this still the same episode is it still going (laughs) yep because i whether or not it's an expectation that we have based on when we turn on a show on netflix now that it's been off of you know anytime you're doing is watching a show a network show on the streaming um on a streaming network because <laughs> i guess netflix is kind of a network now too but once you're watching it on on a streaming system you're you're you feel the shortness of it and it i don't know i i think once it gets to 23 24 25 minutes your at least my brain starts saying this is this is going on long this is long
1: why is this long yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to feel that way and i think what they intentionally went for with the show and again i'm saying they accomplished it and they did it it's not that they failed they did what they wanted to do yes um i think that adds to the feeling of length with the other matt grading, headlining shows future almond simpsons like everything is very tight and so it's bam 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 joke 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 and jokes have to move the plot forward and yes there was a network constraint of 22 minutes um and I'm not saying that's the magic number, but having a constraint that's probably tighter than you want it to be is often a good thing. Like, live-action film-wise, I love the Wachowski siblings. I think they're great. They have lots of wonderful ideas, but I I'd love it when they have an editor and limits to what they can do. <laughs> I really like them edited down. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. I concur. Yes, Um, But I'm still going to go see everything. I'm going to watch every Matt Groening thing. Um, Like, in here, I think the cinematic scenes, like the fight scenes, Mm -hmm. um, they happen, they do them, and I was thinking about this. They kind of feel like they go on kind of long in Disenchantment, and I was thinking back and realizing, like, oh, in Futurama there are fight scenes, like Fry fighting the parasite worm, but they're really short and packed tight, and not much happens in them, like, as far as, like, action sequence showcasing like a set piece and so in disenchantment when they have a fight scene and not much happens that's visually interesting or many jokes and it just kind of keeps going it kind of slows down the pacing of the episode mm-hmm. would you think and they of, just haven't had to write action scenes before
0: would you think of that as being in the first episode where we have the war that Elfo gets involved with as being one of those examples with the giants and the gnomes
1: yeah yeah i think that that battles there are some nice gags in it i don't know that it really like adds anything to the plot as they say they include jokes that don't move the plot forward um and i still i could see that kept if they like trimmed it down i think there are
0: a couple things that what you're saying makes me think of. One of them is that the other Matt Groening shows, Simpsons and Futurama, because they were on Fox, because they were network to start with, I mean, Futurama ended up becoming other things. <laughs> but <laughs> when it started, they had limits that they had to, uh, in terms of content what you could say, what you couldn't show. And they would often butt up against that. And they would go as far as they possibly could. And you could feel that, I don't want to say danger, but you could feel that um, that pressure of this is what we're, we're doing and we know the network and people might say something about it. And you feel that conflict happening
1: and i love that partly because they also find even more offensive things to say that aren't even known to be censored yet like the fox and later after the first airings would censor the phrase sweet zombie jesus (laughs) they didn't even know that'd be i mean i think the writers knew it'd be offensive they're trying to find a new wholly original offensive thing to say (laughs) but then um with it
0: being on netflix there's not a really any danger, in a sense. You can do whatever. You can show whatever you want. It's now can be it now can be uncut. So I'm wondering about when you can show whatever you want. Is it still shocking because it's not butting up against a censor in some way? I think of the the scene with. Elfo back at the war, and the giant gets the hole blown in its body, and then it falls on top of Elfo, which is a great sight gag. You know, he mm-hmm. goes, fu- ends up through the hole, which is great. But I'm like, oh, so they can do this now. What I would have wanted is either go further or show a little restraint,
1: like make it 100% itchy and scratchy.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, if you're if you're going up against the fantasy genre, and I feel like it's very hard in a post Game of Thrones world to do anything fantasy and not hit up against Game of Thrones in terms of a comparison. They try to do um, it feel more fairy tale than Game of Thrones. So they go more for fairy tale as opposed to, you know, kings and queens and magic. But they still yeah. can't do the. It can't. It doesn't quite feel like a a fairy tale. That's a little bit risque. It feels like a Game of Thrones that doesn't go far
1: enough. Does that you know make what? sense? Yeah, and I think I thought of the perfect way to describe the show, which is a compliment for me, and I think you'll think it's an insult it's like they it's like Shrek hadn't been invented until after Game of Thrones
0: mm. I, I don't consider that an insult I I understand that
1: mm-hmm. I understand that I think there's one episode that I really like that is a nice twist that you haven't gotten to yet about Hansel and Gretel um, that I think perfectly fits that
0: I thought you said Han Solo and Gretel. I'm sorry, it just threw me a little bit. That's the sequel Solo, you didn't know that? Oh, Han Solo and Gretel. Oh, that just changes that whole story. So, so his twists on, Han, I almost said it, Hansel and Gretel.
1: Yeah. Which episode is that? I forget which number it is, but basically the point is, like... Bean is looking for a job and to feel useful and so they make her like the apprentice executioner and they catch the witch that's been capturing and killing people in the forest and she refuses to execute the witch because she has no proof the witch is the person who did this. And so she goes into the forest to solve the the cold case of Hansel and Gretel. Hijinks ensue. (laughs) Without spoiling anything. Okay, great. So as far as like a... A setup goes for these first two episodes um how do you feel about the setup do you feel compelled to watch more are you feeling good i
0: do want to watch more um
1: i do feel
0: like how about this i don't at this point at this point in the first two episodes i don't dislike I don't love to hate Lucy as much as I feel like I should to make me think he's an interesting character to keep going. Um, Elfo, I hope that it becomes a little bit funnier. Um, I just want him to be funnier. The second episode with him getting drained of blood was really fun, um, but for the wrong reason. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, they're hurting him. Awesome. Um... And being I feel like I'm not sure about her struggle. Like she doesn't quite strike me as a character making choices yet, and I'm hoping mm. that I'm hoping that she does in later episodes. Right now everything's happening around her and she sort of makes choices to walk away but Really it's those it's Elfo and Lucy making her making her decisions in a way. I'll I mean see. partly.
1: That's just how like that's the intrusion in theatrical terms. Well, a sure. new character enters the scene and causes the plot.
0: <laughs> yes, I understand, but I suppose
1: I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean I think so the first season is about it. being making choices. Yeah it's, yeah. it's interesting. There's some good stuff. Um, I think one of my favorite characters that I felt was not in this season enough, who's just completely like the character of the week is Tess the Giant. Um, you'll get to her. Okay. I love Tess the Giant. I'm like, yes, give me more Tess. <laughs> so Matt Graney if you're listening. More Tess. Brain Silo, Tess the Giant.
0: so Mackenzie did you have any favorite things from the
1: first episodes I don't know if it's in the first episodes or not because it's been a hot minute I'm Um, sorry this
0: first group of episodes I didn't mean like Mm -hmm. the first
1: episodes oh okay Um, Sorcerario like I said he's my favorite basically anything he says is gold Um, the one line that I did get to like someone explained it to me later on Twitter which is excellent of like they're learning about elf names and sorcerario says like your name is elf elf with an o on the end you can't just put o at the end of something it's a little two on the nose and his name is sorcerario (laughs) um there's a great one where he i think the one where sorcerario really jumps out as a main side character a main side character (laughs) um he begins like (laughs) I have a wild idea, we're going to try science on it, and then it immediately cuts to like him doing like incense and smoke stuff and like he says, science is not a precise thing we know about, it's just something we do and don't know the explanation for. <laughs> and so he goes back to King Zog and says, I've tried all three sciences, and Zog says, Even smoke! <laughs> <laughs> just sorcerario and all of his science quotes is perfect for me. <laughs> just that alone makes a show, like, a classic. Okay. <laughs> How about for you? For me,
0: it, it's really the dumb jokes that just, <laughs> that make me laugh the most um, in this. It's the ones that, I don't know, you feel the writers going, eh? Or, <laughs> it's, it's just the writers. Um, one of them is just the leader of the elves saying things like, speak no more of Levo, Spico." It's like, yes. it's like none of no one's come back. Not even Returno. Like just, <laughs> just those jokes were just so on point. Um, but I think for me the favorite one is it's like maybe they're up in the trees and da da da. And the prince says, "I won't even dignify that with an upward glance." <laughs> <laughs> and they're of course they're hiding in the trees. But it's just it's, it's dumb. But it's also character you know. Yes, that's that's what I like. (laughs) It totally I won't even dignify that with an upward glance. Like it's not just that it's funny and it's a writer way out of these characters being able to get away. But it's totally within character for him to say that.
1: And it's a joke that doesn't move the plot forward but it moves character and our understanding of character forward. So I'm totally okay with those. That and Sorcererio. Yeah, the the side note here for our favorite things. Um, I think I need to rewatch more before I can like fully say like what is a lasting quotable moment like you and I have for The Simpsons and Futurama. Just like those brain memes that are in there forever. Yes, I think there are a few moments. Um, at least once a day, right now I get the repetition, the monotony, the repetition, the monotony stuck in my head. <laughs> it's still fresh. I'm hoping that one lasts. I don't know how to bring that up in casual conversation, but I'm going to find a way.
0: <laughs> I, I, feel like, um, I, I feel like... I feel like I'm excited to watch the rest of it um, so I can find more of those. One of the strongest things, and we haven't talked about this, that sets tone is the music. I think one of the strongest things is the music, is the themes. Yes
1: so Mark Mothersbaugh music so uh, good
0: and it especially it sounds like um, Gogol Bordello I think is the name of the group it's just yeah that's a that's a group yay I'm so proud of myself um, but it just feels like that with the the opening where they just have this shouting Whoa! it sounds like they're in the tavern and this, the theme comes up and then it just shows some stuff it's, it just makes me happy I don't know why it just feels bouncy it doesn't feel like it it sets the tone in a way that doesn't feel like um what am i trying to say it does the it does to futurama what futurama's theme does it just sets this like it it feels like a fairy tale only because we're using a certain instrumentation and not so much a melody
1: but like a fairy tale told in a bar right a berry tale Mm -mm. barry tale i'll workshop it we'll we'll work on it we'll work on it
0: so well should we talk about homework time let's your homework in celebration of season five of bojack horseman starting up please watch bojack horseman season two episode 12 escaped from escape from la escape to la is a different film entirely and to celebrate the end of the first season of ducktales watch ducktales season one episode 15 the golden lagoon of white agony Plains." You have to say it like that because there's an exclamation point.
1: As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music.
0: You can find us on the web, on Twitter. Let us know what you thought about disenchantment at WG Animated. Like our Facebook page and check out our show notes on Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. I wish we had an endo. endo. Oh
1: yes. Ah. <laughs> oh, that was satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> Good night everybody.